Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We just form a fucking wall. O'Neal deep on the post, lots of contact there. Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball! Pistons down four, 12 8, 7 38 to play the first one. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. Once again, it is your host, Mike Anguilano. Very happy to be here, joined by Aaron... Oh, no, 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 wait. Oh, wait. We don't have Aaron Johnson here. We have uh, a special guest filling in for Aaron, who's currently in line... Uh, outside outside Little Caesars Arena, getting ready to eat his foot for saying that Jeremy Grant was a bad signing this free agency. Um, instead, we have a special guest. S- special guest, would you please introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely, Mike. Uh, hi, I'm Jasper Apollonia. Uh, unfortunately, by the way, it turns out uh, the reason Aaron's waiting outside of Little Caesars Arena to eat his foot is because he says it tastes better than the pizza, uh, which I thought was, was really insulting. <laughs> Um, uh, I, I recently started writing for Palace of Pistons, uh, about a month ago. Uh, I've written a couple articles. Uh, first one was, was on Blake Griffin and how he's been struggling so far this season. Second one was on Jeremy Grant and how he's been, well, doing the opposite of struggling. Uh, the guy is basically just putting up historic levels of efficiency on a really incredible volume. Uh, so I'm happy to be here today. Uh, happy to be part of Palace of Pistons. And happy that Mike has to be the one to watch Andre Drummond instead of me now. Uh, you know, it's it's been okay watching Andre Drummond, um, mostly because the Cavs are outplaying expectations drastically. Not necessarily because of Andre Drummond, but he has played pretty well uh, to start the year, aside from him and JaVale, like, changing out turnovers three times in a row uh, in, in that loss to the Lakers where they should have won, aside from LeBron going Super Saiyan in the fourth quarter to just give us all heartache and heartburn. Um, I look forward to when Andre Drummond is traded this off season or rather this season. Um, yes, Jasper, thank you for such short notice coming on. Um, we're going to have a wonderful pod talking about a lot of the things that Aaron and I discussed last week and how they've sort of reversed course a little bit. Um, let's start with Dwayne Casey. Finally, finally playing Detroit's young players. This was the topic of Pistons Twitter a week ago and much like every other NBA Twitter, uh, short-term memory loss. This has seemed to go away now that um, Casey's finally giving some more playing time to guys like Sekou Dubois, Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee, um, Sadiq Bey. If you want to count Josh Jackson in there, I don't know if I necessarily would because he's been in the league for a little longer, but we'll throw him in there. Jasper, what do you make of Dwayne Casey finally, finally playing the young players? Yeah, I was going to say, um, I do consider Josh Jackson to be one of those guys. He's 23 years old, um, and he's still still really learning a lot in this league. I think you're seeing it even this year with the Pistons, um, where he's having to grow on the defensive side of things. So I know people have been criticizing Casey uh, regarding his usage primarily of Sekou Demboya, um, However, I do think he deserves a little bit of credit for how he's played Josh Jackson. Um, When you look at all of these young guys' respective ceilings, for me, Jackson has the highest ceiling. Um, He's a wing player. Uh, He can ostensibly, hypothetically, he can shoot the three. 
Uh, he can drive. He can play defense. Uh, we've seen him put up, I believe now, three straight games with two or more blocks, uh, which is really impressive uh, from a player who's mostly playing shooting guard. Um, so I, I do think before we say anything else, Casey deserves a little credit for that. Um, when it comes to the other guys, however, Seku finally getting that playing time, I know has been a huge issue for so many fans, um, especially <laughs> on Twitter where you're seeing some of the beat writers uh, get to the end of their ropes with, with this discussion because Casey's made it very clear. Um, he's going to play the young guys when he, when he feels like he can, but he's only going to do it in the situation where he feels it's necessary. So while fans might not like it, it, you know, Blake Griffin is not necessarily going to be playing 25 minutes every single night uh, in favor of Sekou Demboya getting, you know, 15 to 20, uh, just because it's going to make the, the fans happy. Casey also has to make his players happy at the same time. So seeing these guys get a little bit more playing time is great because Seku especially, I think, has shown over these last couple games that he has grown even within this season as a player. Uh, even when his shot isn't falling, he's more decisive. He's making impact plays on defense. Um, and more importantly, I think you're seeing the rest of the team kind of come around these young players and try and support them. Last night, there was multiple times where uh, Jeremy Grant swung the ball out to Seku, And the first thing you heard from the bench was shoot it, shoot it, shoot it. You know, I know that fans have a very short attention span and really can be impatient, but I think we're starting to see the young guys get eased in a little bit more. Um, and as the season goes on, I anticipate that only going up. Well, you know, one of the things that helps young guys get into the lineup is the older guys in front of them being old and hurt. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened with Griffin and Rose, both out yesterday against the Sixers. And, you know, the Pistons romped their way to uh, a win. Granted, Philly did not have Joel Embiid. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was a matter of time. But... I guess it was more likely that it would be by necessity that these guys are just, they just have to play because someone else is hurt. And, you know, Delon Wright played really well too. Um, if you want to count him as, as one of the quote unquote vets, um, Casey did go with the, the all youth lineup um, yesterday as well. Second boy, Isaiah Stewart, Saban Lee, along with Jackson and Sadiq Bay, which is a, you know, a fantasy of a uh, Pistons Twitter. Do you think that this is something that's going to continue Man, that's so hard to say because this is a team that's in a difficult position right now. Um, we're going to touch on this a little bit more later, but I'm not convinced they're as bad as their record is. And I am of the impression that Casey feels the same way, that they can win some games here. And so it's hard for me to answer that question. All I can say is really, I think the young guys looked great last night. Um, Saban Lee especially was really surprising uh, in a good way um, is one of his very first plays. You know, he drove to the lane. Uh, one of the things I've criticized DeLon Wright for this year is, is starting plays without an idea of how he's going to finish them. So he'll get the rebound. He'll dribble up the court 
right into the teeth of the defense, realize that he's got three defenders on him. He can't make the shot. And then he starts looking around for the pass. Saban Lee drove into the paint, three defenders on him. I started getting immediately DeLon Wright flashbacks. And then Lee just pokes out from behind the baseline and just dishes a perfect bounce pass to the open three-point shooter. That, for me, I gasped. I actually gasped when I saw it because it was so beyond his years in terms of maturity. Um, So, yeah, to answer your question, it's one of those things where I I really believe Casey sees this team winning a few more games than they have. I think the veterans feel the same way. And it's going to be difficult for the young players to get that time in that they want or that the, that the, the fans really want um, as long as they're remaining competitive. But at the same time, look, if Seku Dumboya is going to play like he did, if Sadiq Bey is going to shoot over 40% from three, if Saban Lee is going to be making great passes, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game, eventually they're going to force their way into playing time. And as this team continues to lose, it's not like Troy Weaver is going to hang on to these vets for the whole season. Moves are going to be made. Players are going to get their opportunities. Um, I think right now it just comes down to taking advantage of those opportunities when they have them, like many of these young players have been and patience on the part of the fans, just understanding that this is a process. You're like a, you're like a walking segue. <laughs> you're, you're, you're just preparing every single topic for the rest of this podcast. Um, yeah. You know, I think, I think it'll continue to a degree. Dwayne Casey's been very, I think, open about guys, you know, earning the minutes that they get, you know, Saban Lee had 12 minutes yesterday. Uh, Tamboya had 18. Uh, Sadiq Bay only had nine. He, you know, was over two from the floor, both of those shots from deep. Uh, interestingly, Speed Mikhailuk only had six minutes yesterday. Um, and I think he could be a guy that he's much better, uh, you know, playing to be moved like, uh, like Wayne Ellington, but only, him only having six minutes. I totally forgot about Speed Mikhailuk. Um, just looking at the minutes distribution here. Yeah, I think it'll continue. I think there'll be necessity as injuries continue to you know, pile up and it's a slog of a truncated season and, you know, guys get moved. You alluded to some of those. Um, so. And, um, and even more so on top, even more so on top of that, the Pistons just have a lot of young guys who are in a similar situation to each other. Like Sfima Kailuk, Sadiq Bey, Isaiah Stewart, Seku. These are not a plus prospects. Like, the chances that any of these guys are eventually going to be an all-star are not very high. Um, But the chances of them being usable role players are extremely high. So Casey, at the same time, like you said, like Svi Mikhailuk didn't get a lot of playing time last night. It's, it's a symptom of what the roster is right now. Um, They just happen to have some vets that, require playing time because they're better they they are still better than the young guys Uh, but at the same time the young guys are good enough to where when one of them only gets five minutes you go wait why the why the heck did Sfima Kailuk only get five minutes you know um 
I know Seku is a guy that people really, really hyper-focus on the minutes for, but even then, he's only played less than 10 minutes in five games this season. So it does require a bit of, you know, give and, give and pull. Um, not every guy is going to get the opportunity that they or the fans think they deserve in every game. It's just not possible. And I, I know nobody wants to hear that, but it's, it's just true. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, there's some positional overlap too. I mean, Svi and Bay and Josh Jackson, you know, there is a lot of positional yeah. overlap as well. That makes it difficult. And Wayne Ellington coming out of nowhere to be an absolute torch, you know, yeah. that just, you, that just clumps it up more and more. How can you, how can you justify playing Svi Mikhailuk over Wayne Ellington at this you point can't. in time? You cannot period. Yeah. So yeah. the answer is you can't. Yeah. And, and it's, and that's, and it sucks to say that out loud because again, that's not what like the fans want to hear. You want to feel like there is a better thing we could be doing right now to make this organization better. But frankly, outside of a couple of games where I think Casey has coached some games poorly. Um, I think that game against um, Utah after, after the, or sorry that game against the first game against uh um or the second game against Miami I thought he did a very poor job coaching but then he's had other games like Phoenix where I thought Casey was basically single-handedly like almost as responsible as any player for that win uh that's how good he coached so yeah it's not going to be perfect every game but as of right now it's good enough it sucks but it is good enough well, you want to put players in position to do well. You want to, you know, Wayne Ellington should be playing. Right now, he is thriving. Sure. And speaking of thriving, we have a, a sponsor. And before we move on to our second topic of the podcast, I wanted to tell everybody about our partner, Thrive Fantasy. That is a textbook segue. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props from NBA to NFL and even the PGA Thrive Fantasy has you covered with a wide variety of player prop bets for everybody. And you can use the promo code PALACE when you sign up today and you will receive an instant deposit match up to 50 bucks on your first deposit of 20 or more. It's a pretty good deal. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. And again, that promo code is PALACE, P-A-L-A-C-E. When you sign up today, you will get an instant deposit of a match up to 50 bucks on your first deposit of 20 or more. And again, you can download it on the app store or the play store, or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com sign up and prop up today. This is the part where I like to talk about other sports briefly while, um, you know, we transition to our next topic here and I try to get Aaron into golf and he said he was into golf. You know, the pandemic kind of helped because for a while golf was the only sport that was uh, actually moving Everybody else was sort of just waiting for the pandemic to shake out a bit. Um, this that's is a, that, that's frisbee a really golf erasure. <laughs> How dare yes. you? Yes, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, as soon as we get frisbee golf on Thrive, uh, uh-huh. you know, you know, then then we'll have something else uh, to talk about. We'll have another podcast with Jacob Rogers because he will certainly want to talk about golf. Um, so yes, it's a it's a great app. Aaron has has uh has spoken very well um about it so 
Nice. Uh, we will move on I, I, to our next topic. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I was just quickly going to say, if you too want to live a, a life of luxury, like your fate, like your favorite Pistons bloggers, just sign up for the Thrive app today. Yes. You yes, too can. Absolutely. You too can live like me. <laughs> yes, uh, we can all wait for the Masters together because that's really the next thing that is on my on my uh, non basketball radar. Now that the Indians have traded Francisco Lindor, I don't really. You know, I don't really have the same pizzazz for baseball anymore. So we'll just skip that and spring training go right on uh, to the Masters there. Isn't it nice that you have a, a sport in the NBA where the uh, owners aren't purposely colluding with each other in order to screw over the players? Isn't that nice? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Between Dolan and Dan Gilbert, I mean, I could I could make a case that Dan Gilbert has not helped this Cavs team aside from be, being willing to pay the luxury tax at any moment. I was going to say. LeBron. And, um, and yes, being willing very, to very, very good. Being willing to pay is more than most MLB owners can say. So, yes, uh, let's just go right across the street and talk to Paul <laughs> Dolan and uh, all about how he basically told us to enjoy Francisco Lindor for one more year before we inevitably trade him for <sighs> pennies on the dollar. And, you know, Aww. what do you know? That happened. Um, how bizarre. Um, I can go on a soapbox about the Dolans for a while and Magic Baseball. But instead, we're going to talk about something even more fun than baseball, and that's Wayne Ellington. <laughs> uh, yes. Wayne Ellington has been an absolute flamethrower for the Pistons as late. Let me just hit you with some stats here. He has appeared in 12 games this year. He's averaging 12.6 points per game, shooting 53% from the floor. He's shooting 51% from deep, 51.9%. When was the last time he shot 51.9%? Never? <laughs> that, that is correct. The answer is, the answer is never. <laughs> and in fact, the, there closest we go. He got, the closest he got to that was, let's see, vamping, vamping, all the way back to 2013-14 when he was with Dallas, he shot 42%. Uh, crazy. So he's, so he's an absolute flamethrower right now. He's, he, he is a, a long-range bucket. Yeah, I mean, this guy is at the point where announcers, I, George George Blaha and Greg Kelser said it last night. Um, you're getting to the point with him where you're surprised when he misses. Uh, it's amazing too, and and the level of difficulty on so many of his, his shots has really been the most impressive thing. Like, that's the thing that's always been Wayne Ellington's calling card. Really, is he's the guy that hits threes that nobody else can hit. It feels like. Um, you know, he doesn't even need a sliver of daylight to get his shot off. He can be fading away, uh, away from the baseline, in the corner, and it doesn't matter. He's always been good at those shots. But right yeah, now, what yeah. he's doing is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. 20, 26 made threes in his last five games? What? Yeah, that's, that's just nutty at that point. It's, that's just nutty. But that um, begs the question, on a bad team, you know, he's going to get moved. It's just inevitable. He's, you know, teams are going to look at him and, and be like, okay, what can we give up? So I pose this question to you because I've had some difficulty thinking of what sort of trade um, the Pistons can, you know, try to swing to move Ellington. You know, what do you think? What is, you know, what teams could, could use Wayne Ellington? I have a couple of ideas there. It's a little harder when you try to match up assets and players, but, you know, what can Detroit hope to get in return or Ellington, if they decide to move him. I think look at the Reggie Bullock trade to the Lakers uh, a couple years ago. I, I think that's probably 
the groundwork for what you're looking at here. Uh, maybe you get a, I, you know, it's, you're going to get a young player and maybe a late first rounder, or perhaps maybe even you get something a little closer to, you know, the middle of the pack. Um, I could personally, I could see, mm, you know, Denver might, might be interested. The Pacers are really a team I, I think should look at him now with the Karis LeVert situation uh, being what it is. I think he's somebody that could help them out. So I think best case scenario, you're probably looking at a pick in the low twenties, low mid twenties and a young player, like a Sfimakai Luke type. Um, but if he continues like this, <laughs> who, who knows? Honestly, who knows? Because there are some teams that are always going to be desperate for shooting. And as of right now, it doesn't look like there's a better shooter available than Wayne Ellington. So, and you know, his contract is, I mean, it's basically negligible. You're, you're, you're trading a gun, you know, for a gun for hire at yeah. one year, just, just over two and a half mil. And um, yeah, you know, teams are going to need shooting. Teams are going to need shooting in the playoffs. You know, it, to me, shooting is a lot like pitching in baseball. When you think you have enough shooting, go get more shooting. When you think you have enough pitching in baseball, you go and get more pitching because that means you definitely don't have uh, enough. Go and get more. So, yeah, you know, a, a playoff team, I think the Lakers, you know, they're going to be interested in everybody. Um, you know, the Clippers – act. Well, they're actually the one team that probably doesn't need the shooting, considering that they're absolutely shooting the lights out um, as a team. But I agree, you're going to look at like a Svi Mikhailuk type of player that you know that was a you know a low end pick, um, and then plus another pick just to make it worth your while. Um, this is actually going to be a really interesting trading deadline, given just the bizarre. Um, truncated season and how it's kind of bunched everything together. We don't even know what the second half of the schedule is going to look like um, given all the games that have been delayed and, and whatnot. So um, that's, that's going to be a pretty interesting to, you know, to look at and see what teams pony up for it. You know, a lot of teams that are just kind of hanging around um, towards the bottom of a conference in, in years prior would probably make a determination if they're going to go for it or if they're not with more teams than likely, you know, just not, but because of a play-in and because more teams are essentially going to make the quote-unquote playoffs, um, you, you might see more teams that are going to go for it. And so there might be teams that you wouldn't expect that would be, like I said, lower at the bottom of the conference, you know, that could make a run at the play-in tournament. They might go for a guy like Wayne Ellington and say, hey, you know what, we got a couple of, you know, a few extra second round picks. We can just throw this in there and, and uh, sure. you know, see what happens. I think it's interesting, too, because there are this season, it seems like more than ever, so many teams that are just kind of there right now, like the Warriors, the Suns, the Grizzlies, the Blazers, uh, the Nuggets, like, you know, the Hawks, the, the, the Cavs, even um, there's just a bunch of players that are a bunch of teams that are like hovering around 500 uh, that you're not really sure how good they are, especially since there's other teams like the Heat, for example, that are struggling so far to begin the season. Um, yeah, it's going to be a weird trade deadline. And I'm glad we're talking about this right now because uh, we actually just got uh, a little bit of uh, news here uh, with the, uh, 
the the New York Knicks and the Los Angeles Clippers uh, apparently being interested in trading for uh, Derrick Rose. Um, as we know, Tom Tom Thibodeau has played with has coached Rose in multiple locations. Obviously, loves the guy. Um, that is another player that I think we all have assumed will be on the move this year. Uh, but now it seems like we're getting a little more of an idea where he could end up. It would be interesting to me to see if the Pistons somehow could potentially package, um, you know, Rose and Ellington together. To me, they would seem like if I'm trying to put together my backup backcourt, I could do way worse than those two. Um, yeah. Especially, like I said, if I'm a if I'm a team like Indiana, uh, which is having a little bit of trouble, or or even a team like Portland, I think where CJ McCollum's a little banged up right now, like eh, they could use another ball handler. Why not? You know, um, and and just to uh, just to fluff this up a bit, um, this uh, little blurb that we're that we're talking about is uh, from Shams Sharania of the Athletic. Um, the article was really talking about Lonzo Ball potentially being moved and that the Pelicans are getting calls on him and J.J. Redick. But a, a little footnote in this was that the Clippers and the Knicks are interested in Derrick Rose. As you said, Tom Thibodeau, obviously long history with Rose. Rose has already played for the New York Knicks as well, as, as has Wayne Ellington. Um, uh, Thibodeau's coach, I think, in, did he coach in Minnesota as well? He did, yeah. I, yeah when he had he that 50-point so, game. Correct. Um, that was like his uh, return to glory yes. uh, for, for much of the league. And then, you know, the Clippers makes a lot of sense um, from a point guard perspective. They, they could really use uh, a backup point guard <laughs> quite badly, just somebody to facilitate some offense. Um, they're, they're shooting the lights out. Like I said, they have pretty good defenders, even though they haven't been defending that well lately. I think eventually, you know, you will eventually regress back to the mean. The Clippers will start to defend better. The shooting can't possibly hold up because it would be historic levels of shooting. But a guy like Derek Rose makes a lot of sense. He is able to handle the ball. He's able to set things up. Reggie Jackson has been a, you know, nothing short of a disaster this year for the Clippers. Um, things just don't go well when he's on the floor. I would really be upset to see, you know, him come back <laughs> to the Pistons. <laughs> as part of a trade, but I guess we can't rule it out. And then for New York, I don't really know what exactly they're, they're planning. If they're going to just going to go for it and try to make the playoffs, they are playing pretty well. Julius Randle has got to be a most improved player of the year candidate. Um, but I guess there is a history. And like you said, if you package Ellington and Rose, that, that makes a lot of sense, you know, provides them some, some shooting and provides them um, another ball handler, but very, very interesting. You're right. We did sort of expect him to be moving him being Rose. Um, I thought he'd be moved last year to be quite honest, but you know, now he's an expiring contract. That's definitely got some value in it too. Um, are there any other landing spots for Derek Rose that you can think of off the top of your head while, while I uh, throw this at you? Sure. Uh, off the top of my head. Um, gosh, you know, <laughs> the nets, the nets could really actually use somebody like Rose. Uh, although they seem pretty committed to staggering the minutes with, with Harden and, and Kyrie. Can uh, he play center? Yeah. Well, maybe the, maybe a little, uh, 
I don't know who else, maybe, maybe Tony Bradley will get cut from the 76ers. Um, I actually, I did see, by the way, the Nets are apparently hoping that Andre Drummond gets cut from the Cavaliers. Which... I was hoping you would say that. I was hoping that you'd say that so that we could just take a moment to guffaw at the lol Nets moment of the week and hoping yeah. I mean, it's more likely that, you know, they cut or trade JaVale McGee. Um, but e- even then, I think that they're going to try to trade McGee and it's not going to be for nothing. And they're certainly not going to cut him at that point. They'll just keep him and just ride it out. Yeah. I do love how the Nets are basically running this like a like a fantasy basketball team. Uh, they're like, yeah, no, I'll get the three best players. What's the problem here? Right, Rebounding? Who needs that? <laughs> exactly. Scrubs. I mean, I mean, I have done that with fantasy football, you know, auction drafts where, you know, you get 250 bucks and you just spend, you know, 200 of it on the three. Bingo. Best and then and then you got 40, you know, 40 dollars to fill out the rest of your team. But, you, you know, you've got the three of the best. Um, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. The, Nets, the sure. thing is, uh, you know, there's some teams that at the beginning of the year I would have been looking at as good destinations, like Phoenix, for example. Um, although I have to say, Campaign has played pretty dang well as their backup yes, point guard has. this year. I, shocking. Uh, gosh, Milwaukee, eh, eh, maybe, but they don't. They don't really need another scorer per se. Um, gosh, Denver, who's, who's doing, who's there, who's Denver's secondary ball handler this year? You know, I I actually don't even know. Um, Monty Morris. Yeah. Yeah. But then you have no defense there. Boy, it's tough. Um, (laughs) Philly. Yeah. Sure. So yeah. Why not? Why not Philly? Uh, let's just say it to keep moving. Uh, <laughs> but really, right. and we will move this swiftly along. There should be a lot of teams that are interested in Rose at the very least for the same reason that they, you know, would be interested in any other backup ball sure. handler. You you can never have too many guys who can score the basket. Um, you can never have too many guys who can handle the ball. You can never have too many guys that can distribute. So that's how right. I always see it. Like you said, very similar to bullpen pitching. So, yep. Well, uh, we, you know, I was really hoping that some fun news would break during a podcast and, you know, here it is. I was, it'd be really, really cool if we could get like a massive trade to happen right during a podcast, that sort of stuff. You know, that's like what podcasters dream of to be able to mm-hmm. suddenly vamp about something. But, you know, uh, we, we will go ahead and move on to our last topic here as we wrap up. The Pistons are four and 13. Um, bad. Yes, bad. But are they better than their record indicates? You know, they just beat Philly yesterday. Um, they have beat Phoenix. Like you said, they hang around with a lot of tough teams. Um, they get blown out plenty. Sure, they're not a very good team. They have a lot of young guys, but they play hard. Uh, do you think that they're better than what their 4-13 and 13 record shows on the stat sheet? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, and, and just like the basic numbers kind of, show that to a certain extent um you know worst record in the nba uh but they only have the 22nd worst uh you know net rating overall um they've beaten multiple playoff teams at this point uh they have stuck around in all every game except for the milwaukee the second milwaukee game and and there was one other game as well but Regardless, they've been competitive in just about every just about every game they've played. 
uh, right now, I, I hate to say it, but the biggest issue is, unfortunately, um, it's that Blake Griffin is playing as many minutes as he plays. Uh, they are really, really bad when he's on the floor. Uh, just looking at their net rating with him on is negative um, 4.4 with Derrick Rose, negative five and a half. Uh, and those guys are, are both playing really big minutes for this team. And they will continue to. Let me tell you that. Yeah. They're going to continue to play big minutes. That's not going to change. And they are. And and it's not like every player on this team is struggling. Uh, when Jeremy Grant is on the floor, they are plus two points per 100 possessions considering that he is playing so many of his minutes with Blake Griffin that is really impressive um so yeah this is a team that if things change could they're not gonna make the playoffs like they're not good enough to make the playoffs even if Blake Griffin wasn't on the team even if Derrick Rose was playing really well like this is not a playoff team they they don't have enough top level talents in order to do that However, could they finish with the 20th worst record in the NBA? Yeah, they definitely could. So I look at it right now, if you're a Pistons fan, this is actually best case scenario because they've remained very competitive, um, but they're still losing these very winnable games. So they're keeping themselves in the bottom of the lottery, which, which keeps them also at the same time in a position to where they are going to wants to sell um their vets like Derrick Rose is going to be on the move um you know Wayne Ellington is going to be on the move there's no reason to keep them on this roster so uh, yeah I mean I look at it, it's like are they better than their record yes does that necessarily mean I want them to be um I want their records to reflect how good they've played no no I don't does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, it, yeah, it does. It does. And, and, you know, four and 13, not great, but that's kind of what you're looking for. You don't have any incentive to be good. You have a loaded draft class coming with a potential, you know, centerpiece of a team available at the beginning of the first round. Cade Cunningham. Yeah. Evan Mobley, Jalen yeah. Suggs, guys, guys like that. They have no incentive to win. No, exactly. And, the thing is, it's like, yes, it would be nice to win some of these close games. Like, for example, you look at, say, the Cavaliers game or um, that second Celtics game where they had really, really great opportunities to close it out. I, I think a couple nights ago against the 76ers was a perfect opportunity. That hurts. Like, Last night, even though they're a bad team that needs to continue losing games, I would have considered that to be a must-win as, as far as a 4-13 and 13 team can have a must-win game. Because at a certain point, you do need to remain competitive. And, and this is one of the things that fans struggle with a lot of the time. And Dwayne Casey, in my opinion, to his credit, has done a good job of, of managing those expectations um, because you do need you need to play, you know, in the words of Herm Edwards, you play to win the game. Um, and they need to start winning a couple more games, but they are in a good position to do so. When Blake Griffin is getting 25 minutes, or if Blake Griffin is just straight up not playing at all, 
I look for that record to, to increase. But as of right now, they're losing the games they need to lose. So just keep doing that, um, even if fans might not like it. Yeah, they have no incentive to win, but they do have an incentive to play hard. You know, a lot of these guys are going to be, you know, auditioning for things at the trading deadline or they're going to be auditioning to be on the team next year. So there's sure. definitely a lot of merit um, to, to continuing to play hard and still be bad enough to lose. That's really like the tanking team's, you know, best case scenario is they lose close games. They make some progress with those, you know, with a few young guys that they have. The only thing that I think, you know, kind of, kind of sucks is not having Killian Hayes there because then you can really evaluate the growth of a tanking team when you have that top pick playing and he's playing with hopefully some of the other young guys that will be on the team in the foreseeable future. That's the only thing that's kind of a bummer, but. Totally agree, Mike. Yeah. You know, I I completely agree with that. Coming into the season, I, I even tweeted it out at a certain point. This is a season where you figure out what this roster is and what it's going to be who works who doesn't um who deserves more playing time who doesn't where do certain players need to improve certain skills uh you know i was really looking forward to that with hayes it was becoming clear like okay this guy needs to he needs to learn how to finish and dribble with his right hand he needs to figure out how to run a you know how to get under control a little bit more he needs to improve his shooting that's great um I thought, you know, a lot of people had fun with it, but I thought that video that came out a couple days ago of Blake Griffin showing Sekou Dumboya how to throw a one-handed pass was such a great encapsulation of what this season should be about. Growth. It's about learning those small things because you don't think about learning how to throw an outlet pass as being like a necessary skill that a young player needs to work on in practice dozens and dozens and dozens of times before they're able to go out and do it in the game, but they do. And that's entirely what the Pistons need to be focusing on. So I'm happy they are. Um, I know people like Jeremy Grant's minutes, for example, I know some people have been saying he's playing too many minutes. What's the point? Like you just said, the point is he wants to play those minutes. Like, he, he wants to be an all-star. He wants to be a lead scorer. Um, these guys want to play for good teams. They want to be competitive. They're competitors. It's their job. So, yeah, like you're saying, I completely agree with, with, with your points, Mike. Um, this needs to be a season where they're figuring out what next season's roster looks like and what moves need to be made in order for the players that are going to continue to be on this team to be successful. Yep, absolutely. And I feel like we end every podcast with that discussion of just, just wait, everybody wait. This is a rebuilding season. Everyone's just gotta, you know, get through the, you know, the growing pains of a rebuild and then they'll be better next year. I feel like we end every podcast. But that's the craziest thing, Mike. It's like, it's, it's not even that painful. Like they're four and 13. Yes. But this Pistons team is more fun to watch than I would say probably the last three years teams combined, like even Ooh. when they started off with Ooh. what two, a couple of years ago, they had that what 14 and six record to begin the season. This team is more fun to watch than that team. Like I, like I have with hot takes. Yeah, no, they are. They really are because there's a level of competitiveness and there's a level of, of fire and passion that that for me, when you're building a roster up, 
that's more important right now. The fact that these players are going out and going, giving it their all, even when it's obvious they're not going to compete, even when it's obvious they're not very good, even when it's obvious a lot of these guys are not going to be on this roster. The fact that Dwayne Casey has gotten them to get up and play in every single game, especially looking at their schedule, how hard it has been to start the season, um, I don't think he's getting enough credit. And I really don't think that the players are getting enough credit as of right now for, for putting something together that's been fun to watch. What more can you ask for if you're a bad team? Right. Well, being a fan of a bad team for the last you know several years, you know, there's – a lot of growing pains and then, it, and then it, you know, it ends. And I think the most disappointing thing for that, you know, the Cavs team, the first year that LeBron left um, the second time, it was just, there was so much discomfort, it seemed from the coaching staff, so much angst at, uh, you know, trying to move on from the past that it was just not very fun. Colin Sexton was struggling. The vets mm-hmm. were saying that he doesn't know how to play basketball, which now we know is very false, but yeah, you know, all things considered, this is not a very difficult rebuild for Pistons fans to no. you know, to move to move into. It's it's a necessary part of getting better, and thankfully they're not pivoting like a lot of teams that were in purgatory like do. They like to think, oh well, we'll get a top pick and then we'll pivot, and then we'll be and then you know we'll be good again. Very rarely does you know this pivoting work. Yeah, I, yeah, I see people like t- saying like take all these minutes away from Blake Griffin like. I'm sorry, the way you treat your veterans, it matters. The type of organization you run absolutely matters. And the type of, I know culture is a buzzword at this point, but it does matter. Like you have to have an identity as a team. Of course, you need the top stars, but this team doesn't have that right now. So you need to figure out what you're going to build for when the top stars come there. If you get Cade Cunningham, right. what is he going to come into? Because you don't want it to be a situation like Phoenix, for example, over the last decade plus, where you know you get these high picks with all this all this talent and upside, and it's just a disaster from top to bottom in the organization. So nothing happens. Right. I mean, it's it's why you know the Cavs traded Kevin Porter. It's why mm-hmm. the Rockets are a lot happier without James Harden. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of, you know, you're building a foundation. The Pistons are building a foundation. And quite honestly, I don't know how much NBA Twitter, NBA stats people, put, you know, use the Pythagorean, um, you know, assumptions for how many wins a team would have. But the Pistons are at seven. So they should have, based on their play, seven wins. Um, they should be seven and 10 instead of four and 13. It doesn't really, you know, <laughs> I don't know how many people are going to take solace in the fact that, well, we have four, but we should have seven wins. So that's a positive. And, you know, eventually those will catch up. And a lot of these close games are losing. Eventually they will be on the winning side, but this is a foundational year. I think we both agree they're better than the record indicates. Dwayne Casey's making a lot with, you know, a lot of young guys, you know, he's making do. Um, mm-hmm. Is there anything else that you wanted to uh, speak of about the Pistons last week or so? God, um, I, I'm such a fanboy. I, I went to Syracuse with him at the same time. Jeremy Grant, man, <laughs> this guy comes off of two tough games. His shots, you know, not falling really struggled big time against the Sixers a couple days ago, just comes out last night, just like so efficient, 10 shots, uh, or so what was it? 12, 12 shots, 
25 points, 10 for 10 from the free throw line. Like this guy, man, he is so good. And it feels like every single time you throw something in his way. Like when I wrote my article about him, I said, the one thing he needs to improve on is passing. Look at this over this last, uh, last five games. Uh, he's, had, he's had, uh, uh, five or more assists four times. Like the defense is there. The playmaking's there. He had a bad game. He bounced back right after it. This guy is awesome. And man, we are so lucky to have him. I just have to appreciate it. I really do. Uh, cause he's answered every single test that has been thrown his way this far. And, you know, I really wish that we could have fans right now because they would be eating up Jeremy Grant. You know, they, they would be eating up beating the 76ers by 15 points and things like that. That is an excellent positive note to end on. And uh, that is all of our topics. So um, Jasper was wonderful having you on, on such short notice to, you know, to cover some of these, some of these topics and, and this small blip of breaking news. Maybe uh, the next time we have a Palace of Pistons podcast, we'll be able to talk about how the, how the Pistons acquired a uh, Reggie Jackson and a second round pick for Derrick Rose. <laughs> and then we could analyze no. Yeah, I'm sorry. That. I think you mean how they got two first rounders uh, for for Derrick Rose. That's that's what you meant, right? Yes, how they got Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard for no, uh, no, Rose. oh, <laughs> no! Come on, the Timberwolves—they want him back. They 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 need that fifty point game again. They need that magic. Come on, Timberwolves. They need something. Now, eh, Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns is a loser. Give him to us. We'll give you Blake. Build that that foundation baby <laughs> yeah they they've got a lot of problems <laughs> yeah they do i saw like, i saw a graph from nba math where anthony edwards is like in the bottom left hand corner of 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 the tpa graph and you're just thinking oh my goodness that is like the his, thing he's right in the anthony bennett wheelhouse which is oh, not where you want to be for anything don't don't say that don't say that poor anthony bennett yeah i had to um, watch him set screens like a, a zombie so oh it was I watched him for the Nets. It was, it was sad. It was genuinely sad. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, look, and that's the last thing I will say, Mike. Um, pleasure to be here. But yeah, hey, Pistons fans, look at the other teams that are struggling right now. Look at the other teams with, with similar records to you. Um, look how badly they're playing. Like, they're all playing like garbage. Your team is not. Uh, the Pistons are competitive and they're bad. In the words of Miley Cyrus, you got the best of both worlds. Like, enjoy it. <laughs> Are we really going to end on that? <laughs> I think I – now I, I wasn't going to, but now I really do want to. <laughs> well, well, after a Miley Cyrus reference to end, uh, we'll see you in uh, three months back on the podcast. <laughs> <Jasper. laughs> um, <laughs> Thanks, Mike. <laughs> yes, thank you. And um, Pistons fans, yes, see, see oh, just a little bit of positivity. The team should have seven wins, but they, but they don't. No, but they're playing hard, and uh, um, it's 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 going to be a tough ride, but a fun ride. And at the very least, enjoy Jeremy Grant. He's playing really, really well. Don't don't worry. Soon, Jeremy Grant and Derek Rose. I'm sorry. Soon, Derek Rose and Wayne Ellington will be hopping off the plane at LAX. Uh, yeah, hopefully, <laughs> you know, and hopefully, there'll be something months. good coming back. Ho- yeah, now it's now it's a full year, so you know, brush <laughs> up on your NBA draft stuff. <laughs> Um, Okay, well, for uh, Jasper, once again, my name is Mike Angolano. Thank you all for listening. And uh, as always, you know, go Pistons.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.